Hello, brother. Hey, Moraine. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very good, actually. It feels like a long, long time, because it's been with Mr. Week, so we're three weeks in. Did we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Time so you were obviously having way too much fun in Paris. To be honest, I had. <laughs> <laughs> you little yes. sucker. <laughs> Paris was amazing. I mean, I only had uh, three people in my session. Um, <laughs> one, one of them was Chirac, the other one was Marcel, and then there was one guy that I didn't know. Um, and then Chirac had to leave early because he had his session, session afterwards. Uh, Marcel also left pretty early, and then some other guys came in 10 minutes before my session was done. Ready for the next session? Probably. Um, but I had so much fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw you uh, on a video on some Twitter feed uh, standing in the middle of the yes. street. But I didn't bother turning the volume off. I thought I'd hear enough no, of it No, no, no. Anyway. That was our little um, commercial that we did for the Viva Explorers event. Yep. 13th of June in Brussels. I understand. Uh, if you're interested in Microsoft Viva at all. I'm still waiting for the invite event. to compare the events, but nobody's come to me yet. Yeah, I need to do some work on marketing, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, you've also got your... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It's the one in June you were talking about. It's at Microsoft, isn't it? Yes. Cool. All righty. Good fun. Good fun. We're continuing with governance. Yes. Good. Now you can say hello. Oh, hey from the side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> we have guests tonight. Well, we have a guest tonight, yes. That's true. We have but a guest. Yes, but I'm, I'm, I think she'll carry her weight. I think she will. Hopefully, podcast. hopefully to keep up with you two gents. Mm -hmm. Well, she mm -hmm. is a Dolby at heart. <laughs> Not by name anymore. Not by name. So we have a Mrs. Uh, Laura Madden. Um, and why don't you just tell us what you do in less than six words? Oh, that's a challenge. Oh, so uh, wasn't, got two I words wasn't prepared now. for No, no, let me start again. Okay, compliance... Motor finance, small business. Small In the UK. business. Boutique. Nice. Boutique. Boutique. UK. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone over six, but mm -hmm. they're important words. So. That's okay. That's okay. So, yes, there are three of us tonight, and we're going to carry on with our governance subject, as we said we were going to do. And we thought we'd try and do some real bottom-up selling of Microsoft 365, I guess, to small businesses, because that's what you tend to work with most. Yes, yeah, small to medium, small but powerful. Small but powerful. Mm -hmm. You're right. Mm -hmm. She's going to hold her own. So that's cool. You got a shout out to do? I do. I do. Um, so we, so th the good boys that we are. So last year we bought this little nice whiteboard so that we could write a structure on there. So that's what we did. And then we started this podcast episode and we totally forgot about the structure. We did, yes. Exactly. Again. So uh, that's what we do. So for all our new listeners, also the runners at uh, ECA that I had the pleasure of uh, training uh, a few days ago. Uh, so hello, guys. Um, keep up the pace. Yeah, keep going, boys. You can do it. Go watch, on. Out, watch out for that Faster. pile that's Faster. loose. Yeah. So, all right, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, that was cool. And, and they were... Uh, doing uh, car upholstery, so seatings for cars in all kinds of uh, brands, so brands like Ford and BMW, but also Lamborghini and uh, McLaren. So that what did was, you say about the McLaren cool. material earlier? So, so soft. So, so, so soft, yes. And then we had the plan of saying... Oh, hey, I work in motor finance too. <laughs> there you go. That was a good exactly. link. Subtle. 
Subtle. I thought that was subtle. subtle. Mm. C. Right. Smith. Yes. Like the upholstery. We didn't. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, she's there. Nice. She's there. Okay. All right. That's so, cool. so no more whiskey for you. No. Okay. I'm here all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. She's going to get the better of both yes. of us. Um, okay. And uh, I also want to do a shout out for a brand new sponsor that's coming on board for mm-hmm. a couple of episodes in a few times. And that's Cloudily. So Cloudily is, uh, and I haven't really looked into it yet, but they're going to come on and tell us all about it. But it's about cross-tenant backups and cross-cloud backups and stuff like this. And that's cool. And they're going to be, as as our sponsors have to do, bringing some very nice whiskeys that we're going to taste on the day itself. So that will be very, very cool. Yes. Thank you, Cloudily. Yes, 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 yes. All righty, neat. So we're going to talk about governance in a specific kind of way, all right? Now, um, so Laura is sitting here in the corner of the room. She's got the microphone in her hand and she's waiting for me to cue her up. But she has no real idea what I'm about to ask her to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's neat, neat. And we've got a bunch of questions on here. But um, as an overall, so you're an independent Yes. So it's uh, you're based in the UK. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, oh, how is my brother, by the way? He's okay, is he? I mean, I think he's good. Not quite as good as I'm set up here in the corner with a whiskey, but I think he's doing okay. <laughs> neat, neat, neat. All right. Um, so uh, you're an independent and you work for a lot of small organizations yes. in the motoring industry focused on finance. Absolutely, yes. So they can range from brokers to dealers. Some can be two-man bands. Some have 50 to 60 people working for them, maybe a little bit more. But I basically help them pull apart the regulation, make it work for them. The financial regulations. Absolutely, yes. So specifically consumer credit and motor finance. So if you see a nice new shiny car that's sitting on the forecourt and you think, I want that car, but I can't quite afford that car. I help basically make sure that the people who are trying to finance you that car are doing it correctly. Oh, cool. Do you have an inside line on cheap credit? Uh, unfortunately not. Maybe a cheap car, but not cheap credit. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aww. Oh, well, it's all part of the fun. So can you make them, my car come faster? No, I need to be careful. Oh, I wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I do apologize. I did warn you. I know. Unfortunately mm. not. Brexit may have uh, a problem to do with that in the UK, but mm. unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Did, did you order a white one, by the way? No, because I, I didn't saw choose a the truck color. with six or eight white ones driving past but uh, no it didn't i didn't choose the color which means it'll be boring brown if it's okay. not got his name right bigly on the side bigly on the side I like hugely that. Ha- but anyway his Large. name will definitely be on the side loud and proud <laughs> yes loud and proud mm. um you ha- you haven't seen my previous car with the wrapping so i, I got totally wrapped from front to end oh okay oh you're one of these guys too okay bald <laughs> Yeah, no, but that was, it was loud. He had this American footballer on the side with huge balls, <laughs> all right, and sitting there saying, follow me, you know, and yeah. Something, something like that, lines. yes. Okay. Let's say that, uh, so for a, a specific uh, customer, I was there once a week doing a, um, like a, a tech shop where they could walk in if they had any issues. And they would always come in and say, we know you were here because we saw your car in the parking lot. Ah, okay. So it worked. Memorable. Yes. Actually, it's not a bad idea because I also had my van wrapped uh, with We Do SharePoint and I got at least two long-term contracts from that. Is that your van outside? Yeah, so you do SharePoint. That's what it says on the side. 
you know and yeah so there was a, a couple of contracts from there so there you go so your van is going to get wrapped with what or your car your company oh, car gosh that is the slogan I, I suppose you need to explain what you do but make it short enough so no one crashes whilst reading it <laughs> yes <laughs> so six words yes yeah, I'm going to have go. to work on those six mm-hmm. words I think alright cool 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 so anyway so what we thought we'd do and it was one of my wild ideas so I get blamed for this if it's really crap and I get cheered if it's a really good podcast but we, we thought we'd ask Laura to come to us with some uh, the kinds of things that you need to do when it talks about financial compliance regulations and that kind of stuff uh, because I know that uh, for having seen you working here all week you're dealing with all of the problems and issues that these finance places have around regulators uh, and today I think you was ready to kill a regulator Oh, I mean, I don't know if we can have that live, <laughs> but uh, so, um, so so they're not regulators. Um, what there are we may be call a whiskey fan among them. <laughs> so what if but they're not we, regulators? We won't say which date it is today. Yes. That's true. That's true. I mean, and they do have regulators in 1967. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. fine. All right, but but it can be frustrating. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's even more frustrating when you don't deal with it on a day to day. Your main goal is selling and working on profit and making sure a a business runs and sometimes whilst compliance is important you don't always want it in the forefront of your mind no that's true it's a bit like what we do you know isn't it it's it's like we do security like we always want to create new things and and provide value and then you always have that security officer going like Hold on a second. Yes. Did you also do this and this and this? Oh, fuck no. Absolutely, yeah. Go back to step one and then, yes, okay. I I had uh, talked about security today. So we... uh we were kind of going through our domain names that we got in the organization and there was like six or seven domain names and we never used them anymore. They were like old. So we could, okay, look, let's just save at least a grand here and, and get rid of these domain names. Now, in my mind, you don't really do that because uh, if you kind of have the domain names and you own them, then nobody can steal them and pretend to be you and effectively mm. you know, try and um, do a, t- a trust attacks and all that kind of stuff. So I went to the security office and said, hey, look, we're going to get rid of these. Do you have any problems? And I was expecting in this because i mean when i was working for the u.s army and stuff we kept those domains around you didn't just let them go until you were absolutely certain that they were safe and now dump them we've got so much junk around here anyway just dump them and i'm going okay spring cleaning yes but he had so much trust in his security tools so you know he said no we can cover that we've got other stuff to do with dns stuff all right so but yes so security officers but i was thinking what you do for your clients is very much what we do for hours in that they don't understand collaboration they don't understand um, compliance from a systems perspective they don't understand retention and and that kind of stuff and we go in basically as their experts in this space just the same as you go in 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 their space absolutely well try to as much as i can All right. Okay, so let's dig around mm-hmm. a few of these questions. So we're coming with two or three three points on these. And the idea really is that you're going to give us some day-to-day problems that you have. And these are small businesses, so they don't have huge IT departments doing their stuff. They're, they're running on things like Microsoft 365, Google Docs, and that kind of stuff. Because there's only like four or five of them in the company. Two guys selling, two ladies doing finance, two ladies, you know, and that's about it. Nobody doing compliance except you. Exactly. And I think another big point is that they don't always have huge budgets either. You know, every business right now is trying to cut costs where they can. So it's what you've already got, how let's best make it work for you. 
All right, cool. So, so what you basically you got a few scenarios um, around things that you need to kind of do, and then we're going to give you the Microsoft three six five solution. Absolutely. And then you're going to try and tell your clients, hey, look, listen to the podcast. These guys can make it work for you. And they're, they're really cheap. Absolutely. A couple of bottles of whiskey will get you a long way. Absolutely. <laughs> well, depending on which bottles they pick, of course. Mm. That is true. The that higher true. up, uh, you know, the monetary value, the better. Sure, <laughs> sure. Can you imagine getting paid in whiskey at our day rates? <laughs> Oh, to live the dream. <laughs> wow, yes. Mm. Okay, 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 okay. So the first day would be fine, but going in the second day, you'd be completely <laughs> wasted. By the next week, yeah. productivity ah. would be minimal. I get that. Very, very minimal. But then again, it might be a really good uh, investment as well. Oh, don't you start. Whiskey's for <laughs> drinking. All right, good. Anyway. So, go. Okay, so a huge thing uh, that firms need to do within the UK financial regulatory market but you know it can come across it's a little bit potentially tedious let's be honest Um, and I suppose it really needs to work for them in their own format is they need to have a compliance monitoring plan and that monitors every single aspect of the business so I suppose you could put it into numerous different sectors, but let's let's cover, you know, a regulated motor dealer or a motor finance broker. They need to cover things like regulatory items that they need to check, risks that they need to check, things like that. So it's, you know, reminders of what they need to check on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. How would that work for them? You know, what's the best format that they could use? So that kind of sounds like, our governance plans that we need to create for people collaborating in document management. Yeah, kind of. It's just that Laura works in finance, so I kind of fell asleep after the first five seconds. <laughs> oh, A lot no. of people do. <laughs> no, 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 And this no. is what we're trying to avoid. It cannot, you know, it needs to be quick it needs to be detailed you know when something's taking someone an hour that then becomes a huge task that goes to the end of the to-do list that then goes on a month and a quarter and things go to the end so it needs to be something that works for them it needs to you know in some businesses there's numerous people that need to access this particular document or have different responsibilities so you know, rather than sending it in what I assume you're going to call the old-fashioned way of sent someone filling it in, sending it over an email or, you know, even someone printing it out and filling it in with a pen and then scanning it back in. But really, we all know it never gets scanned back in. Um, you know, how could it work? All right, cool. But yes, you're, you're right. I mean, I know I was being funny, but the, the, a lot of the processes we deal with are around making sure that governance is in place and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But, but keeping it simple here, so well, one document that I've modified and I need to pass it to somebody else to add their comments or to to check that it is completed correctly, I guess is what you're looking at here. Absolutely, but also with the detail. So we have sort of a phrase, uh, my clients hear it on a regular basis, where in compliance, if you can't evidence that you're doing it, you might as well not be doing it because you need to be able to show that you're doing it, whether it's a day-to-day, monthly, quarterly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, what I was thinking about was that uh, in our world, in our governance world, we've got a number of organizations that come up with a governance uh, product, like a platform, like, for example, Rencore or Sharegate. 
And what they do is they automate a bunch of these uh, things that you need to do governance-wise. For example, one of the governance rules would be that, uh, so you know Microsoft Teams probably, you heard about it. Yes, yes absolutely. Okay. Whether I'm best friends with it or not is a different question. That's, that's a whole different ballpark. But um, every there, there's a, a governance rule that every team needs to have at least two owners. So if one of the owners falls off, goes away, wins the lottery, buys an island on Hawaii, then uh, this automatic, this tool will automatically kick something off saying, okay, to the other owner, you need to pick another owner because now you're no longer compliant with our governance scheme. You know, you're a a typical consultant. No, I'm just thinking if there could be something that we could automate, for example, in this process. Absolutely. Did Did you understand any of that? I did actually, yeah. Shit. Unfortunately, I have to go through yes. an awful question in my line of work about director continuity. And it's an awful question that I always think about happening. But I Well, well let me try and keep it simpler than this. First of all, these companies will not be able to afford Rencor, point one, because they, they're small businesses. So there's only one or two. And, and, and the second thing is, they have no idea who Rencor is. No, absolutely. Or any of the governance tools. Absolutely. But I'm just thinking that if you're a small boutique company working in the UK and you've got a number of customers that all are all dealing with the same issues with the same tasks with the same things would it be possible to create some kind of platform where they could all link in and do those same things or have the same rules applied to them I definitely think it's possible, but you'd, I suppose, how would you sell it to them? I'm compliance, I'm not a saleswoman, so you're going to need to sell me so I can sell them. Gotcha. And yeah. and by putting them all on the same platform, you've just probably increased your compliance problems by a factor of 10. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> exactly. I mean, is it a case of yeah. if so, they're all on the same platform, they can mm, see everything, or does no, everyone have their own yeah. user? But, again, or? it's just got gotcha. complicated. So yeah. let's, let's try and go back to the original brief. So the original idea was that you want to be able to at least have a document that's been modified, a form that's been filled out maybe, or a document that's been updated by a number of people, or yes. maybe the customer has updated it. It's come back to the client, to This the is more of agent. an internal document, okay. so internal management. So in simple terms, it needs to be either added to a library. So okay. a library is either on an MS Teams site under the file tab or a SharePoint site, and you all get those in Microsoft 365. Even on Google what do they call them in Google? Google Docs. Docs. Google Workspace. And they call it, a, yeah, whatever. Something but even in like that, that kind of workspace, you first of all need to enable versioning. So that, oh, 100%. So versioning would get you half of the way there. So when somebody changes it, you're good to go. And the second thing is a little bit of training. And I know we'll probably touch on training later. But instead of adding it to email as an attachment, they add it to email as a file. Okay. As a link. Sorry. Yes, it's a better word, is a link. And that way, when somebody gets the link, they click on the link and they open the same file. So they're all working in the same file and all they're doing is creating versions. So you'll be able to track everything that's moving forward. In simple terms, that would be the easiest way of doing it. And if you set the machine up right and the, the Microsoft 365 right, which is default, by the way, nothing special, that will happen automatically. So when they open an email and they say, send it to John, and attach this document, it will come up with a question that says, do you want to attach this as a file or as a link? Do you want to copy the file or as a link? You click link, and as far as everybody else is concerned, it's exactly the same. But now you're all working on the same document. 
And when copying that link, is it secure? Yes. It will only so, work for that person. Yep. Okay, it's so you can restrict URL. who sees it. Type. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And with that, actually, version, sorry, with that, that version management, you also have your audit trail on that document saying who did what at what time. We do love an audit trail and yeah. compliance. Mm -hmm. So um, what it will do in this case is it will take the names of the people that are going to send the email and it will actually give them permission to the document. Okay. Automatically. In simple, straight terms. Yeah. So sharing content on a Microsoft 365 environment, and it's the same in others as well, but we, we know Microsoft is, is really as simple as it can possibly be. Fantastic. Sometimes simplicity is the key. Could Where do yep. we send the bill? Not to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> no, no, no seriously, it, it's just out it, of the box. Yeah, and it also works with external people. So if they're not part of your organization, it all, you can also set it up that it works for external people. That's a question that I get. A lot of times. Yeah. So, and what it will do is even more. So let's assume that your email address, which I guess we're not going to announce, but LD, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, I will put your name in my email address. It will give you permissions. When you get the email, it says, um, please click this link to confirm who you are. And it will then send a link to you, which you take the, the usual code number, put the code number in, and you've then authenticated your email address, and it will then allow you to have access to the document. Excellent. So that extra layer of security. Absolutely. Perfect. Cool. Set up a team site and get a governance program in. Of course. You're on no, commission you for just, the governance program, no, aren't you? No, 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 no. I, I mean, just we may wanna... be back in six months saying, actually, the simple way doesn't work. <laughs> Tell <laughs> I me know. more. Oh, it will. I just want to make your life so much easier by automating a number of things that you need to do day to day. So, I mean, the fact that it can be automated is an option for those people who are looking for just that extra level of simplicity, that, that extra level of ease, and that have the budget to do it. So it's always good to have an up-level option. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's just take what the next step would be then. So out of the box, email, file, stored in SharePoint or OneDrive, shared with an individual, okay? What might I want to do next level? So the next thing is I might want to identify what type of content it is. So it might be secure. It might be confidential. It might be public. So there's a way of setting labels so that you just click on a label and it will then tag that document as being confidential or it might be um, a new lead um, or it might be any other kind of tag and then that tag can be set up to apply certain rules so for example let's say that uh, you're an, I'm a new customer so I phone you up you say hey well you need to fill out this uh, form to tell me all about you and sign it please or at least confirm you received it because I need before I can talk to you or before I can sell you anything you need to confirm who I am and we have a relationship so they get the form and then they email it back to you and at that point GDPR kicks in and a bunch of other compliance stuff so then the person can click on that document when they open it and then it will be tagged as say confidential and at that point you can say it's not going to be emailed out anymore so that signed document by our new customer can't be emailed outside the building it can be emailed into the different people but it could never be emailed outside and as soon as they try and remove that label, they have to say why I'm removing the label. And all of that is stored in the audit and version track so you know where those documents are. And that's 
that's I didn't a- even know Microsoft could do that. So that's a conversation for a different day, <laughs> a whole other episode. <laughs> but that, that is kind of just the next level when you're talking about compliance. Exactly. Like so. you can't, uh, for example, print out this document. You can't open it up in your, uh, only in the browser, not in your actual, you can't store an offline copy of this file, for example. Things like that. All things that you can set up. I think that's a great tool for people to have as well, especially with remote working. If we go back to sort of COVID times and having a lot of people handling data that was potentially off premises, it's, it's a worry for a small business owner as to how they manage that. And, you know, I suppose understanding how they can manage that with the systems that they have in place right now. How did COVID change the way you work with your customers? Um, I suppose as every business owner, it added a lot of stress. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a different time. It was, you know, in the financial market, we are in regulation. We're expected to have risk and continuity plans in place. And we're expected to regularly have continuity tests. And I say, you know, putting a light spin on it, that COVID was one huge continuity test because it tested every single plan someone had in place that they weren't, you know, necessarily expecting, but prepared for things like remote working and companies had to think on their feet and think, how are we going to best serve our customers? So, you know, I, I well, I suppose any business could have said there were pros and cons, but I think as long as you're focusing on the customer outcomes and the best customer outcome, you know, and you manage to continue that service, we can call it a success. Absolutely. It's absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. And the, the thing about the thing we've just described as well from many of your customers' perspective, if you pull in the right consultant, and I'm not trying to sell Morena Meinstein, but for Microsoft 365, out of the box, it's a kind of couple of days of work for somebody. So it's a grand, potentially, to set up the way those documents are maintained, the way that they can be maintained confidentially and everything else. So if your clients know what they need and they find virtually any sort of Microsoft 365 consultant that understands sensitivity labels, it's very easy for them to set it up. It's a, it's a low-cost setup. Uh, and then it's there for... The, all the time, on all their content, all the place. And then they don't have to worry about how to evidence all of this stuff on a regular basis and keep a separate copy or make sure I put a copy on disk and put that in my, in my bedroom drawer so that it's a separate copy <laughs> from my business copy. All of those kinds of things don't need to be done. It's a very relatively easy, simple way. So governance doesn't need to be complicated. And then Maureen and I talk about governance at, at a complex level. But for small organizations, it's very, very simple. And moving it on to the next layer, so just to finish this section off about evidencing, of course, um, every time that copy is published, we can then create an immutable copy. So as a record of whatever state of that document is as well. And again, that's not difficult to do. It's two or three days' work of a, of a, a consultant, and then it will work like that all the time if that's the way you've set it all up. So Excellent. all of these things are very achievable in terms of being able to say this file I need to monitor where it is, versioning. I need to evidence it, sensitivity labels. And I need to have an immutable record and backup, record management, and it, and you're all done. And I guess for someone like you guys who do it every day, you know this, but potentially someone who's quite new to it or, you know, doesn't know the ins and outs, isn't no. an expert, doesn't know that this is quite 
a relatively simple fix obviously for someone who knows it for someone like myself it would probably take two weeks and I'd still be ringing you <laughs> buy my course and follow me on YouTube oh there you <laughs> go sorry, sorry. No, no, no no exactly but it's not a hard sell <laughs> no no it, it's some people don't even as you say they think it's too common so they go the easy route putting a folder together and everything else so strictly speaking if there was ever truly audited and the auditor says so those copies there they've not possibly been changed since you saved them in there unless you do it properly you can't answer that and say they've not been changed I suppose with going back to versioning as well, it's showing how you're adapting to the business Correct. and you Growing. know how you're exactly how you're learning from, you know, hopefully not mistakes, but learning from changes and how you're growing. Mm. And it just shows adaptation. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. So mm -hmm. that was that the how to tech how to deal tech in files and just simple stuff like that. Good solution. Anything because you want to add? You you talked about that one big compliance document that would mm -hmm. be all encompassing and, and have everything in it. Um, how often would that be changed? Um, to be honest, each section has its own sort of requirement for frequency. Some mm -hmm. might be monthly, but you know, for someone such as myself, um, who is focuses compliance, I might go into that document once a week and say, okay, X, Y, and Z has happened this week. So rather than me wait until the end of the month, it's going to be easier if I update this now. So, but some things, it may be a case of I only need to check them quarterly or annually. However, to show I am aware that I need to check it annually or quarterly, I should be going in at least on a monthly basis and saying, I've checked this. I know I don't need to make any actions yet, but I know there isn't a risk present to my business right now. So you need to like in a table create a new Absolutely. row and say, yes, I've checked this. Absolutely. And, yeah. Even if there's no actionable point, just to evidence that you've checked it, because if the box is blank, can you prove you checked it at the time? Probably yeah. not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. versioning and record management. Yeah. Easy. Yes, absolutely. Now I also like, I'm working now for a big pharmaceutical company and we also need to create documents like that uh, where we need to, uh, describe everything that we've done and at the end of the document there's a change register where we always need to write down what we've what we've changed in that document for every version and that will go for a review and that will go for an approval by x amount of people and then it will go into a next version so yeah so th those are things that we you can do it simple or complicated basically depending on what your mm -hmm. particular business needs yeah I think that's the important thing is one size does not fit all. Correct. It's got to suit your business, be proportional, and it, it's got to work. It's got to well, work for you. If you think about yeah. Word, just a simple Word document, it has to deal with every industry. Whether mm -hmm. you're a scientist dealing with formulas, lawyer dealing with lots and lots of words and words and terms and, and appendices and footnotes, authors whatever so yeah these tools are very very adaptable and you just choose the tools you need and that's basically what we would do is we would go we would listen to you we would then define a plan we would agree maybe do a demo and then we'd go and build it put it in place and say these are your instructions and anybody and can then do have that a whiskey people. yeah more two whiskeys two whiskeys yeah. yeah three if there's a sale at the end of it exactly <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Good. No, but it's true. I think it's really interesting that, you know, 
people understand the simple stuff. So that's cool. All right, let's do move you, on. Do you always oh, start off go. with a specific template? Um, like I think so, yeah. I think just to make thing. sure the basics are covered. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I think when you're coming down to implementing anything, the basics need to be met. And then Mm -hmm. depending upon your business needs, you know, for someone who is potentially only turning over maybe 50 customers to someone who's turning over 500 customers, there are certain regulatory matters that you need to meet. But actually, what are the risks to your business model? How are you communicating with these customers? What checks do you have in place? There may be completely different things for people with higher budgets. You may have... um, I suppose, more enhanced technology when it comes to verifying identities and things like that. So it it really does just need to be adaptable. But I would definitely say yes, that the basics need to be there for every single business. So you have a folder on your personal computer saying these are my templates. Well, it's in a secure cloud, not just on the hard drive. Of (laughs) course. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yes. Because if not, I'd definitely get a slap on the wrist. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good call. Good call. Okay. From the gentleman in the other corner. Of I'm not course. scared of anyone else. <laughs> no, 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 no. He probably set it up for you as well. No. I, no, okay. I, you, you've done I that can't afford him. No, I'm oh. joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes down to every single business has internal documents. And it's mm. making sure that even your basic internal documents, whether they're your policies, your templates, the templates you send your clients, the templates you send your customers, whether that's communications, whether that's contracts, they need to be secure too. So take away sort of personal data sensitive data what are you doing with your basics as well all right good call cool <laughs> so have we done now yes just Sorry. in case you want to ask another intelligent question that i wasn't sure if did i pass the test i mean <laughs> um, better no. than he did okay <laughs> <clears throat> no, i kind of want to follow up with how do you get up to date with all the new regulations and all the new things that you need to know and do for your customers? I mean, I'm a hardcore nerd. So it's a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of making sure that I'm up to date, um, checking updates, checking newsletters, checking regulatory, and also completing my own training. You know, I'm not going to go into a client and say, you need to complete X training on a certain system without doing that training myself because I just feel like a bit of a fraud. So if I'm asking them to pass a test, I'm going to make sure that I've passed it before going into them. Okay. But how do you know about changing regulatory things? Is there like a a good newsletter from the government? Yeah, absolutely. There's a fantastic newsletter from the regulator, but they will also put, you know, regular news updates on their site. They even have their own podcast, which is fabulous. They have webinars, events. They don't do whiskey, mate. Don't worry. I mean, you you never know after this episode. A regulator's podcast really is. (laughs) I mean, they could listen to this and take tips. So you never know. Uh, And they'd be going, uh, section 1.2.6. We updated it this morning. We put a capital letter in the third sentence. So you should be aware of that. Advise your clients that the capital letter has now changed and it's in a different font. Excuse me. I don't come after Microsoft clauses. Don't come after mine. (laughs) (laughs) Cool response. Cool response. All right. Let's just hit on a a different subject for a minute or two. So um, one of the things that you sat there and talked about was feedback. Yes. And again, I guess it's part of evidencing 
All right. So there are different kinds of feedback your clients have to deal with, I guess, to meet regulatory needs. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a big change in the UK financial regulatory market at the moment. And any of my clients listening will be so bored of me talking about this. It doesn't have anything to do with Brexit. No, it doesn't. Or whiskey. Okay. Bear with me. Um, So one of the key things is actually how you are analyzing your customer feedback. So whilst it's fantastic, you're asking them to leave a testimonial or a view on Google, Trustpilot, any of, you know, the above. Are you actually getting, I suppose, down and dirty with what the client is experiencing and needing? Are they understanding the information? Would they want any changes? Is there anything that you could do more? And I suppose... In one way, someone could just email the answers, but actually, does that look the most professional? Is there a way that, I suppose, one of my clients, how would you recommend that they get this feedback? Hmm. He's hiding in the corner here. Can't Hmm. see him anymore. That's actually a really good question because hmm, I kind of got a similar question as well. Um, last week, uh, from a customer that was also asking, like, how how does other how do other people do this kind of problem, or how do they deal with this kind of problem that we have? Um, so we would also, I was also thinking about creating some kind of community where small businesses, because that's also mainly what I'm working with, how they could be in a community and talk to each other about how they solved. Uh, audits for example how do they manage all the documents related to audits Um, but yeah your your thing is more for customer um, feedback yeah absolutely so I suppose let me spin the question if you were a customer and obviously you guys are tech experts you know you'll Mm -hmm. spot a good survey from a bad one (laughs) tech experts hopefully (laughs) what would make you answer questions and give further feedback other than a quick five stars excellent service what would make you want to give in-depth feedback and help a company improve um swag swag free whiskey um (laughs) no no so um well I, i would definitely give feedback if it was terrible i just need to say here first of all he will give you feedback if you get him socks this man has a fetish about oh. swag socks. No, especially no, no if cool, they've no got cool whiskey socks. bottles on. Yeah, he has some. I actually, actually got Lefroy socks yeah. from oh, okay. this man. Yes, <laughs> excellent. But it's not a bad idea. I mean, I think people need to feel like they're rewarded. I don't mind. You, you, Moraine just before I interrupted him said it. If if I had a bad service, I'd want to tell them. So sitting yes. in the corner is my new cross trainer mm-hmm. that arrived with a fault on it. Okay, and I'm about to do the re- response to the organization because I haven't heard anything from them now in about six days about how they're oh, going to fix Oh gosh, he's been fault. sitting on it for a week as well. So you know it's going to be a good strongly yes. worded email. So, mm-hmm. so I think that there's, there's a, a personal frustration in doing that. But I guess the point is that we want to be able to encourage the positive comments and the positive thoughts. And so my answer would be that it has to be fairly simple and easy. And the ones that always work are the ones like from booking.com where the email says, just click on this image, which is the fourth or the third star. It doesn't record that, but it takes you straight to their website for you to, so you want to be able to attract them in. And I don't think this is a technical decision at all. I think this is a UI. This is the user interface 
and also how you have that relationship with the customer. So there's two things. First of all, it needs to be easy and it needs to be to be able to draw you in to answer more and more questions. But it also needs to be about the relationship you have with your customers. So I don't think it's a tech answer. You know, it's it's the, you know, listen, we, we like honest opinion. We like to improve the way we are. So you will get an email with a link on it where you can say exactly what you want. And I promise you we action these things. So I'm not entirely certain that it's a technical solution. But going back to your evidencing, okay, the customer will be more in, enticed to do it if they can see how you've improved based on previous comments from previous people. So a lot of it is about saying, look, fill out this form because we now do this because somebody suggested that that would improve the service and we now have found and we do this because a customer recommended that we do this and you go, okay, then I think you should all wear pink socks whenever we meet and, uh, and then I'm almost certainly going to buy more insurance and loans and, and all that kind of stuff for my new car. So I think part of it is not really a tech solution. It's about the UI and the relationship with the business so that I feel like I want to say, well done. But is there a way that I guess Microsoft can collate that information? If someone's already using Microsoft, can is it quick? Is it, easy? is it secure? Technically, it's not a problem. So there are uh, things like uh, Microsoft Forms that you can use. Looks super nice. You can have all kinds of questions. People can just fill it in anonymously if they want to or they can also leave their name and email address if they want to be contacted about a bad service or if they still have questions um, and that will just be stored within your Microsoft tenant and you can just see it all there and you can automate it if you want and get some action so if somebody leaves a bad review mm -hmm. that immediately some bells will go off and people will be notified excellent so you can also notify people when new feedback comes in yes. so it's not missed or someone's not getting a response you know maybe exactly. a week four weeks later yes exactly okay. um so technically absolutely not a problem but i think your question is more how can we get people to fill that out Absolutely. I suppose it's almost a case of does the system do this? Because sometimes, you know, firms, whilst they may not have a budget to pay for, I don't know, something like SurveyMonkey, which when mm -hmm. you're sending out hundreds mm -hmm. of surveys can be really quite costly. Yes. And if you're only getting one or two back, because let's face it, not all customers give feedback. No, of course. Are you really getting the return of investment? So mm -hmm. if you can do it on a system that you're already using, you know, would it work for you? But you wouldn't recommend survey monkey to your clients would you mm, i mean it depends what their budget surely is surely a compliance officer would not recommend that they take service surveys from their customers that are stored in the u.s outside the uk compliance that is constantly hacked by external people and then import it and put it into their systems you wouldn't I mean, I suggest wouldn't advise it, but there's systems such as that obviously i always recommend going and doing your research just just for any of your customers that do listen here just do not use SurveyMonkey. it is the most hacked survey tool out there and it's not uh, eu compliant just as do a tool. not survey monkey is a no <laughs> that's a good and and it's just a pain to work with to oh be it's awful it's um, awful but there are but i do get where you're coming from uh, i would not use survey monkey if you have got microsoft 365 use microsoft forms everything is compliant mm -hmm. so all these things we talked about labels sensitivity the same rules that protect your document would also protect your survey 
<clears throat> and they can guarantee never see anybody else's survey. The only person that can see it is you, and you can decide in your organization who can see it in your organization as well. Which is another great point, I think, because not everybody within the organization needs to see this. And again, yeah. it's potentially a thing that people do not know about Microsoft, Correct. that it has this functioning, yeah. that you can do it, and more importantly, you can make it bespoke to you. Correct. I think if you want to take it to the next level as well. Sorry, Marie, no, go on. No, I saw the go ahead. If you want to take it to the next level, just like we did earlier about email attachments and all that kind of stuff. So taking it to the next level, you can do quite easy, simple workflows that will say, hey, a new form has been filled out. It can look at the form to see whether the customer was happy or sad. And I'm not just talking about because they checked the unhappy box, but it can read the words in the form to go, they were angry when they read this. I mean, the AI will literally work out oh, the sentiment, clever. all right? And then they will pass it back to whoever the individual is to be able to action accordingly or auto-response and say, look, we're really sorry that you were upset. Um, it has been taken up by Mr. John Smith, who will be in touch uh, by uh, email using this code number, so you know it's from him. So all of that kind of automation that allows you can actually be done. Sentiment is amazing. It's going to get more and more uh, you know, obvious and easy to use. And so the happy people, they can get a little Amazon token or whatever. You know, we're glad you did our service. Thank you for filling it out. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the nice thing about forms is, indeed, as you said, not a lot of people know this. So yeah. I always start my trainings with, this is what's in the big box of Microsoft 365. This is your tra the training that these people could call Yeah, upon. yeah, yeah. So yeah, buy my fine. course, follow me on YouTube. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yes. Smash that like button. Yes, all those things. Um, uh, but Microsoft Forms is one of my favorite applications because I can show Microsoft Forms or, or talk about it for five minutes to anyone. I mean, my 11-year-old daughter, I can explain how it works in five minutes and she can make amazing I do imagine that your 11-year-old is extremely intelligent at Microsoft Teams, though, <laughs> and all Microsoft products. Yeah, but, but the thing he hasn't told you is that most of them are asleep after three minutes, but it does go on for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they can still manage it. It's that easy it to use. It is easy to do. Okay. It's so super easy and powerful. Yeah, and you can brand it, you can put your logos on it, you can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So it feels like yours, but there's it's just a starting point. So start off with the form and then manually read them. It gets downloaded into a spreadsheet so you can get to see them and you get the history of all the forms all the time from your first one to your last one. Or you can build and say, you know, I now have 200 of these a week. I can't keep up with them. Yeah. Then you can do get somebody else in to write the workflow, use the sentiment, filter them for you, tag them with certain keywords. So you can say, show me the unhappy ones or show me the happy ones or whatever you want to do. Fabulous. But back to your nice question, back to your question, how do I get people to fill it out? Is as Steve says, give them a an, an Amazon voucher or say, okay, from today until end of May, we will give five 50 euro every form that's filled out vouchers. you can just choose one randomly yeah and you something just pick like a number that yeah. so incentivize is always a good stuff we have to be careful with incentivizing in the uk financial market but we can come back to that at a later date <laughs> yeah okay okay what okay. about just telling people everybody will get a response yes because everyone loves to be acknowledged <laughs> exactly okay Okay. You shit-faced twat. What do you think? You've got a bad service. You've got to talk to you on the phone. You should hear the recording. So don't <laughs> sit there and complain about my service. Well, I suppose it could be. Thank you very much for service. <laughs> but yeah. 
But I'm, I'm have I'm, a good day. Yeah, <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty sure that some marketing person can probably come up with a really cool idea about oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just going on to your point about answers being able to be anonymous because another point and I think a valuable point of feedback is staff feedback so obviously staff deal with customers day in day out they potentially know the bugs in the system but also staff feedback they could be giving you information about the training that they've gone through and things like that are employers able to use this sort of system and if they want to offer staff the anonymity i can't even say that word no now. you said One it correctly in. which is um, not bad for a native english speaker oh well i'm trying i'm <laughs> trying um i suppose it would encourage people to give more honest feedback is that doable but how are you going to make sure that it's anonymous if you only have a company of four people i mean there it gets a little bit difficult yeah. but the john went on this training on monday and then on tuesday i've got an anonymous okay. Just training a let, let me thing. step in here yes it's doable. It's doable. Excellent. You can set the anonymity. I can't even say it. <laughs> you can make every response anonymous so you don't know where it came from. However, you can, as an administrator, if you want to, find out. Okay. So that person that kind of did something stupid and, uh, you know, basically called the chairman an appropriate, yes. inappropriate name and everything else, HR can identify them to be able to give them some feedback if need be. But generally... Yes. It's anonymous. Okay. But I wouldn't do that. And if you do it with forms, it can truly be anonymous without even an administrator Correct. Well, uh, knowing the, the, what the, it the, is. The, yeah, okay. Yes. I, I know there's a way around it, but that's I guess okay. it's just nice it. for firms to there have the option time. Right. whether uh, they want it to be or not. I think that... Um, and I guess it depends on the questions you're asking. Well, it also depends on why would somebody want to be anonymous. Now, there are certain cases like, you know, whistleblower kind of forms and everything else, but that's not what you're looking for here. No, that's a, that's a whole different topic. Correct. But you're, you're, you're looking for here for positive learning feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Then, and you need people to say, look, okay, look, it can be, it will be treated as anonymous. Okay, we do know where it's coming from because we want to be able to come back to you. Just check this box if you're just making a note and you just want this to be heard or check this box if you want to have some kind of response. Because I think in, in a transparent world, which mm. even in a highly sort of uh, structured organization and world that you're in in terms of finance, people still want to make it as friendly and as transparent yeah, as possible. Yeah, I think people still want that open door policy and want to be heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, as much as this is absolutely fascinating and way, way more fun than I thought it was going to be, because it is finance, let's be honest, and it's very boring as finance, but, but that's okay, I get it. Um, it's time for a whiskey. Is it? It is, already. It is 51 minutes in, brother. Time flies when you're having finance fun. We, it, we, have, we sit here... So <laughs> I work on that one in my training. <laughs> Uh, so um, we're going to do uh, some whiskey tasting. You want to try this? I, I mean, I, I've been really big and brave today <laughs> and, I, and had a baby one. But yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she tried She tried the new Maritsu, which mm -hmm. um, we, we aimed for a sweet. So we, we're going to do a little comparison if we get past the first one. So um, we're basically going to Scotland, to Glengoyne. Glengoyne. All right, mm. which is very nice. And these were... 
from my uh, local little whiskey store in Ninova, and they just have lots of little bottles like this, all very odd and strange. Uh, but I just happened to pick a couple of tasters up, a 10-year-old and a 17-year-old. And Moraine's mm-hmm. looking at it all kind of weird. I, it's, the letters are so small. Yep. So I'm, I'm either getting old. You are. Or, yeah, probably. I'm, How I would you describe this whiskey in six words? Oh, we she's getting We need to taste it back. first. Um, choose one, Moraine, because I know you're driving, brother. And um, we're going to do two. Yeah, or we can sure. give it to the yeah. lady because she's not going to drink that much. So swap them over, whichever way about. Um, yeah. She's okay. having that one. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Good. So, so you, you've never really tasted a whiskey before, have you? So, Moraine's going to tell you how to taste a whiskey. First, swirl it around. Mm-hmm. Put your nose in the glass. But you need to be careful how you put your nose in. So, you can put the nose in here. Or then you get one. But you can also tip it up slightly and get a, a real... I mean, I'm sure the carpet won't favour me, but... <laughs> That's all right. We In Belgium, we have solid, solid slate floors. <laughs> so posh that you also put your pinky up while you do that. She's a posh girl. My brother's taught her well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No comments here. So there are, there are, th- <laughs> there are three, three ways we taste a whiskey. One, okay. is, one is the nose. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, it's very floral, very nice. Very fact. floral, but... Oh, yeah, lots of stewed fruit as well. Yeah. Mm. So things like raisins. Do you get raisins and things there? It's the I nearest you've kind used of that thing. word on purpose. <laughs> stewed fruits. No, raisins. Raisins. Oh, yes, you don't like raisins. You don't like raisins. Okay. This okay. is nothing like raisins. Okay. okay. So, and then we taste it. So it's then what it tastes like on your tongue. And then it's the, what we call the finish, which is the way it dies away. And, okay. And uh, different whiskies have different things. So for me, it's got a little bit like uh, the forest in the spring. Yeah, I get that. It's fresh. Yeah, spring. It's good spring. Some mango, I think, as well. Yeah, you can get a little mango in there. Mm. Not lemon, not citrus, but definitely the the fruit. So it's nice though. Yeah, this is the um, Glen Goyne. It's the ten-year-old. That's the ten-year-old. Yeah, I'm. I have to say, the smell kind of blows me away because I. Really, really love it. Yeah, it's a Highland whiskey. We don't drink many Highlands. We, we I know. Spaceside, we've been mm-hmm. going nuts on Spaceside just recently. And, of yep. course, we, we did a smoky one earlier. So is Highland. it a beginner? Is this what 10-year-old whiskey usually smells like? Uh, this is not at all, no. actually. Not at all. No. This is more uh, subtle at the moment on the nose. Mm. I'm going in. Go for it, yeah. No, actually, if, if this would have been the 17-year-old, I would have totally believed it. Okay. So this tastes the way it noses. It's Ooh. very nice. And okay. is that normal uh, or? No, sometimes you can have three completely different experiences. But this is good. It's uh, orangey, t- toasted orangey and, uh, on mm. the tongue. Okay. And it's got a nice little bite to it. Okay. But the finish is quite small. See what you think. So yeah, the first one is nosing. I can, I- yeah, I would completely agree. I don't, You could have been speaking a completely different language before, but I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Toasted orange. Okay. Yes. Not, not orange as in light, but yes, you know. not burnt orange. No. But toasted. Yeah, exactly. Even a little buttery. That sounded really sarcastic, but it was completely no, no, genuine. No. The thing is that everybody could easily taste different things in a whiskey because our taste buds are different. 
No, meringue. Yeah, a little, a little Jaffa cake. Yeah, I yeah. get that. Maybe not as sweet as a Jaffa no. cake, though. Hmm. How would you both rate it out of ten? Is the experts? Actually, that would be high for me. Absolutely. I, I was actually thinking I need to get a bottle of this. That's what normally happens. Yeah. So if we like whiskey, we'll definitely say let's get a bottle of this. Yeah. Mm. No, absolutely. This um, this is pretty amazing. Or just putting it out to the potential clients for payment opportunities in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Wine Moraine just finishes that and enjoys mm-hmm. it. I can see the look on his face. So it's a, a single malt whiskey. It's from Glengoyne. Um, it's quite popular. You will find it in, in most places. Um, it, as I said, it is a Highland whiskey, uh, finished in the normal way, uh, but it is a 10-year-old. So it's had 10 years in the barrel, and I have to say they were 10 good years because what's coming out of this whiskey is um, a lot of very subtle fruits. Um, I would kind of hint say almost Japanese-like in terms of the way that those florals come across, but it is a good Scottish whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely whiskey. got that Scottish base uh, underneath there, that, yep. that oomph that you get. Um, yes, this is pretty amazing. I like Great that. aftertaste as well, great finish. That, that wasn't about seven euros, seven euros for a bottle, that was it. Not bad okay. at all. Now, what we often find when we've done this before, Laura, is that um, you go for the what would be the more expensive one. So this has had um, seven more years in the barrel. So you might just want to take a drink of water But then the between. question is, would it be the same barrel or would it be finished in something else? I don't think it's finished, but as you say, the blooming text on the label is that... Uh, you know it's a great podcast when you've run out of room on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a, a little bit of that there you water go. to rinse? All righty. So the second one is another Glengoyne. Um, it's actually uh, supposed to be the same whiskey, and I haven't brought the notes up on here. But uh, it's a 17-year-old. Now, what I'm also finding is that the, it's a darker amber than Absolutely, the first one. Absolutely, yes, yes. So, so the, this the might indicate something sherry casky thing. Ooh, actually, you stick it under your nose, it's going to make you smile. Boom, there we are. So, Laura, what happens is that, um, uh, first of all, when this is made, it's white and clear. Yeah, like it's a vodka. Clear, like a vodka. Yes. And then it's put into a barrel, and that barrel will generally be an ex-bourbon barrel. So it's already had American bourbon in for four years. Mm-hmm. Then they ship the barrel over to Scotland, and they generally burn the inside of the barrel. So they just toast it to and shave it, potentially shave it, but they certainly toast it. Uh, and then they would throw in the whiskey, clear. And then it has to stay in there for three years and one day, and then it becomes Scottish whiskey. Can Up I to that ask point. a quick question? Why the one day? Uh, because it has to be in there for more than three years. Ah, okay. Three uh, years leap, okay. leap years. Okay. Sorry? Leap years. Three years and one day is to cover leap years. Is that right? It is. I learned something new today. Yeah. Awesome. All right. That's cool. So then, of course, it's kept in. Now, what you often do is you will then say, look, it's had nine years in a one barrel. I'm going to just put it into a fruit barrel or a wine barrel or a sherry cask for a year just to giving it something slightly sweeter. 
So when you stick this under the nose, and I don't know for certain, everybody, by the way, I've mm. not looked this up, but if I nose this... It smells kind of sweet. Yeah, it yeah. is. And I think it's been put into probably a sherry cask, I'm yeah. guessing. I will mm-hmm. look it up while you talk about it, Marie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, that the color most of the time gives it away a little bit because it will get a touch darker as well. The darker, the sweeter the cask, or um, that as well. Sometimes, so sometimes you got these really, really funny things like um, very heavily peated whiskey. Often is very light in color, and so you've got these very like big smoke bombs, and they're like almost clear and it looks like almost water and then you sip it and then it just explodes in your mouth okay so i really like sherry cask whiskeys steve didn't i'm learning but he's getting around to it he's nothing but adaptive yes now sherry casks uh give you um more of that stewed fruit normally uh so more sweetness in there so just to let you know, what you're drinking now is 200 euros a bottle normally. Okay. All right. So don't so drop the glass. Is, I'm so on it. <laughs> just, okay. just that's the, one of the first things I've just come across here. 200. Is that okay. It's, uh, okay. Okay. It's not a cheap whiskey. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to find some tasting notes. I'm just going to put tasting notes at the end of this. And a quick random cutting question: When whiskey tasting, obviously there's numerous glasses you can have whiskey in. Mm-hmm. Does the glass matter? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. My uh, it it on the on the one side it's very personal. Mm-hmm. So I really like to drink from these uh, Glencairn glasses. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend hates these and she likes tumblers. Okay. Um, but also, yeah, the size of the gla- of the the shape of the glass will also direct uh, the nose. Th- this uh, is a little classic yeah. whiskey drinking glass. Yeah. All right, if you look at the bottom, it will have the name of the glass. The Glencairn, yeah. So so they're actually all made, but obviously yeah. uh, they're, they're, they're usually printed or something. So just to give you some idea, so it says here, blueberries and lots of it, fresh prunes with a hint of honey, touch of lemon, then goes back to, to blueberries again. It also talks about licorice and walnuts and the nose. It's just the nose. I do get licorice... It's not as floral as and the, the 10-year-old. Maybe, yeah. Old prunes are not much fun. Ask my mother. She's in the back office. That's so fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, so that's what you get on the nose. And then there's, it's a lot sweeter, apparently. Honey and cream and stewed apples and walnuts on the palate. Mm-hmm. And a subtle hint of tobacco. Mm. All right. I'm okay. going to taste it. Yeah. And then you can just see the look on his face change if it's really good. It's not bad. It's not bad, but it's, it's, not, it's not 200 euros. Not no, bad. it's not, it's no, not okay. 200 euros good. How would you describe the aftertaste? It's, I can't. That's where that tobacco comes in. It's a little bit um, dry. It's a little bit kind of, um, it's, it's not bitter. But it's not sweet, so it's it's kind of like chewing paper. Yes. So it's a leaf. It's it's a kind of um, yeah. It's not a bad drink. Let's be honest. It, it really isn't a bad whiskey. Absolutely, I like that little hint of chili in yep. the back as well, and that licorice on the finish. 
What you also now taste is that this one is a little more mellow than the 10-year-old. Yeah, it is, yeah. Ten it's got more, gives more a body more... to it. Yeah. Definitely more body. Yeah. Lift the microphone up. Sorry. You're talking to the glass. That's what he does That's all, all the time. That's all that matters. Well. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. He's, he's always talking like this as well. Super funny. It's not a bad drink. It's, if it's 17 year old, it, it is not See, a bad drink. This is one of those drinks to sit in front of your fireplace. Enjoy and the nose. Thinking about the state of the world while swirling this in your hand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But would you buy a bottle? I'd buy a 10. I, I would buy a 10 in a heartbeat. No questions asked. Definitely. Next time I see one on the shelf somewhere, I'm getting one. Um, this one, not for this price. <laughs> no. If I would see one on discount, maybe. Do you know something? The 10-year-old is like 40 euros. Now, that is good value for money. For that, that is good value. Old. Yes. Yeah. The 17-year-old, you're basically buying it for its um, uniqueness. But See, there you go. if this would have been cask strength, I might consider it. Oh, yeah. Adds a bit of uh, something to it. Because, so yeah, when that we talk would... about cask strength, it's a, this is bottled at 43%, but we water, it gets watered down. Um, uh, but of course, at cast strength, it's at 60, 50% 50 63. So it's a lot stronger. Um, a great night out. <laughs> <laughs> She's my brother's daughter. Cool. All right. Excellent. Do you know something? Kudos, lady. I think uh, it's been a real pleasure. Come on here. And I know you came over uh, this week uh, to see us here in Belgium and obviously come with uh, my mum and, you, and your grandma um, to make sure she got here safe. And you've been working because you can work and you made it happen. Absolutely. And I invited you along here and you went, yeah, I'm game for this. But actually, uh, I would suggest potentially you'd be one of the best guests we've had. Out of the park. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for giving me my first proper whiskey tasting experience I'll we definitely, haven't finished I'll yet by the way there's always a post whiskey to have but oh we'll do that gosh. when the mics get turned off <laughs> well I'll definitely be becoming one of those whiskey snobs you see in the bar now so uh, yeah I get accused of that all the time nowadays yes that that is our big problem that yeah. we've become kind, kind of whiskey snobs and then well, you're just generating them through guests of the show yes. populating yeah. them all over the world <laughs> making bars hate you <laughs> we uh I, I remember the first night we sat here talking about this podcast and uh, and working out what we wanted to do and and it was very simple it was two guys talking crap in a bar all right but drinking a whiskey that is difficult for people to get hold of or something unusual for them to drink and we've over the years we've drank some unusual whiskies We've drank yeah. whiskies that were mature, were, were distilled in Japan, matured in barrels, put on a boat, sent to Scotland, uh, so it swirls around for three months at sea, and then put into a bottle, and then we've drank it. And you know, uh, and and you can taste the saltiness of the sea in the whiskey and that kind of stuff. Or you think you can. I mean, we we don't yeah, really no. care because it's the experience. We've we've had some very unusual whiskies. Uh, we had the, the whiskey a, in the uh, on the top of the mountain. 
Yes, we've had whiskies distilled at the highest point and at the lowest point. So yes. we've done them by the Dead I've Sea. I've heard this story. Yeah, I know. She yes. gets the stories. And of course, I talked about Uncle Nearest the other day. Absolutely. So we, you know, so every, yeah, I tell everybody the Uncle Nearest story. When, when he heard it yeah. the first time, he was blown away, but he's yes. now heard it so many times. So yeah, so, so these two whiskies, they're kind of unusual. And so we've tasted some interesting ones. It's been cool. Yep. Pretty cool. And it's going to get worse. Anyway, thank you for bringing governance and thank you for being, being able to do it at a practical, simple level for small businesses and things like that. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been superb. Yeah. All righty. So uh, I guess I get to do a, a roundup of what we've learned. So we've come with some simple techniques, two whiskeys. Not good to do a... My lips are numb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, looking at some simple techniques for small businesses that needs to be governed in some way. In our case, we've talked about financial and UK regulations. Um, and um, we soon learned we didn't dig deep, first of all, into high-level governance. We brought it down. We talked about libraries, and we did that in the last podcast. So this is a nice, practical way of moving forward. So, Laura, from that perspective, thank you very much. So anyway, Steve Dolby here saying goodbye. Laura's going to say goodbye. Goodbye. Have a good uh, day, guys. Uh, cool. And then, uh, as usual, Moraine is going to do a nice, emotional departure from the podcast so that you feel good when you go into your office this morning having to hear the final words from Moraine when he says... Well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Actually, actually. So, uh, you know that all the time when I'm in the car, I'm listening to podcasts. And there's one podcast that I've really liked for the last few weeks. It's the MFM podcast, My First Million. It's like two investors talking about whatever. And they came up with this idea that we are doing this for free. We're giving all these golden nuggets to our audience. We're giving all that knowledge to our audience. And we're doing this for free. We're doing this because we like it. But actually... We want something from our listeners. We want them to give us a good review. Could be anonymous. Could be from forms. Maybe we should set up a form. But you can now also do that Focus, in Spotify, right? All right. for example. Okay. Yes. So you can also give us a good rating. And they call that the gentleman's agreement. It's a gentleman's agreement that we give you good content and that you will give us a good rating. But it's not only for men, it could also be for the ladies. So that would be the ladies' understanding. Very PC. Yeah. <laughs> you just so, thought of that, didn't you? No, 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 okay. no. That's what I learned from them. That's what okay. they're talking so about. So let's, let's go back. So you, if you're yes. listening to this on Spotify... Uh, give us a good rating. Give us a, a nice review. Tell, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, you can do that now. Uh, so for every episode, you can just give us your feedback. Okay, excellent. Uh, but, but just we give us a good, good reviews. No, we want honest reviews. Honest reviews. So maybe we should talk about those Amazon vouchers as well. But maybe. Uh, maybe no, another. Or free whiskey. Or whiskey, or free yeah, whiskey. We've done exactly. that before too. Yes. All right, cool, cool. So the gentleman's understanding, uh, the ladies' understanding, gentleman's agreement, give us a good review. Thank you so much and bye. Hey.